Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. This is not the off-season walkthrough tour. We're taking a little mid-off-season break to do a couple of uh, extra interviews with some uh, non-OUA guys. Well, at least a former OUA guy and a soon-to-be future OUA guy. Uh, another one of your former players, Mr. Avante McCoy uh, from Richview Collegiate and also from... Tobacco Eagles. Fly Eagles, fly, baby. And, uh, you know, we were hoping to get the the drop, the scoop on where he was going to be landing next year in terms of what school he was going to commit to in the OUA. Uh, but he's keeping that under wraps. But we certainly have a good idea of where it might be. And you'll hear all about that and plenty more. And then after that interview, we sat down with former Laurier Golden Hawk wideout Curly Gittens Jr., now of the Toronto Argos. What a you know what a what a wicked dude. Um, that was awesome. Super nice guy, and uh, you know really cool getting the perspective with Avante, a guy getting ready to join the OUA, and then with a guy in Curly talking about his time going from his you know living in Ottawa to playing in Laurier at the university, and then joining the pro ranks. Um, so yeah, that was that was awesome. And uh, here we go. Here is Avante McCoy, and then Curly Gittins Jr. Avante McCoy, Richview Collegiate Institute, running back, receiver number two. Curly Gittins Jr., receiver, Toronto Argonauts, number 80. And you're listening to At The 55. At The 55. We are here in the midst of our off-season walkthrough tour doing a little specialty interview with Richview Collegiate Institute star Avante McCoy. Avante, you were coached by Dakota at Eagles, correct? Yep. All right. Well, thank you for joining us here. We're at Studio 51. Uh, my buddy, uh, Ben Papa, Georgia Studio, you graciously let us use the space. And uh, thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, thank you guys for having me out here. I'll, I'll start us off. Um, so, you know, how's your, I guess, off season been? You, you know, just finished off with Offsa a little while ago. Are you just working out? What's going on? It's been good. Uh, at Offsa, I had a shoulder injury in the second quarter. So I've mainly been rehabbing that working out and just focusing on school. Um, so yeah, so you're going into, you're in fifth year now, going into your last year. Um, you know, it's a big recruiting season, big commitment season. Um, who's been knocking at the door? Who's been calling the phone? Uh, York and Mac, those have been like the top two. Really? I, it's, it's strange because Zach, there's another school in Toronto, right? I, I think it's a university in Toronto, maybe of Toronto. Is it U of? T- U of T, so has, you may not know this, but I have a big issue with University of Toronto's recruiting ability to keep local talent in Toronto. I, I don't like the fact that there's so many good Toronto kids that are leaving Toronto. York does a little bit better of this. Um, has York, you know, called you at all? Toronto. Sorry, not yet. Yeah, sorry. I know York. <laughs> has, Toronto, has Toronto called you at all? Uh, not that much. But, you know, your your talent's there. Your grades are there. It's a little confusing that, uh, that they're not, but... I won't. I won't talk too much, Chester. What's What's York been like? What's the recruiting process for those of you that are, are listening? Maybe the high school kids that are now. What's that like? What are they, you know? Are they just calling your phone nonstop, telling you to come out? Are they, you know, whining and dining? Like, what, what's 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 the actual recruitment process like? Well, York's been like they've been basically recruiting me since I was in grade nine. So since I was fourteen, uh, one of my friends, uh, Nate Nate P, like he told like. He contacted Coach KP about me, and, K- and KP like he been like he came to one of my games. He's watched my film and he said that like he wants me there, and like so basically it's just been it's been like real cool like with this whole recruiting pot with the recruiting process and everything. So for you personally, what are the major selling points for a university program? Is it the current success of the team? <clears throat> Is it young talent perhaps projecting towards? future success while you're there is it a specific program that you're looking to go to or maybe it's it's a combination of all the above or, or more i think it's a combination of all three like um coaching like coaching staff is like that's something like i like that's like something i stress on the most like like i want a coaching staff that i can trust that will do their best to for, to help me develop my skills to get me ready for the pro level and so your high school, Richview, has had a, a lot of success in recent years. I imagine you've probably had teammates or at least perhaps 
players that uh, have been older than you go on to other schools in the OUA. Um, do you have any former teammates or just um, alumnus from RCI that have been trying to uh, get you to come join their schools or anything like that? Any sort of under the table whining and dining or anything like that? Uh, yeah, McMaster, Michael Capizano, one of my like one of my teammates. I met him when I was in grade nine. Uh, I played with him in his fifth year. We won Offsa that year, fifty-two nothing against Michael Powers. <laughs> he's Small been, flex. <laughs> he's been like been like hitting up my phone, telling me come to Mac, come to Mac, or like we're gonna try to get you out here for a visit. So it, it seems to be kind of the pattern going on where kids where they want to go to a school have been you know recruited heavily from it's not hey oh you're good grade 12 come to our school like you were saying what you were in grade nine and york was kind of looking at you i know obviously justice allen and, and jacob zott were in grade nine or grade 10 where they were looking at you um how you know you're grade nine you're what you're 13 14 something like that how old are you now are you 18 yeah i'm 18 now yeah, so is it is it overwhelming to have a university kind of try to talk to you when you're 14? You're like I I'm I just gone to high school. I'm just trying to figure out where my locker is and where homeroom is. Like, <laughs> is that is that a stressful situation or like are you, you kind of like your guardians, your parents that like, kind of take the the brunt of that? Uh, I mean, not really. It's more like like if you have a university looking at you like at an early age, you just want to keep pushing because you want like you want to keep getting more looks. You want to like you just want to keep showing off for all the universities. Now, one thing, uh, we did an episode earlier with McMaster, and as Dakota mentioned their names, we spoke with Justice Allen and Jacob Zott. We kind of talked to them about a bit of a phenomenon, I guess you will, that we've, Dakota and me, have seen growing up, and, and Jacob and Justice seem to, um, to to see as well, which is, you know, we talked about the problem of Toronto school, schools recruiting in general, but also just, there's so much talent in the city, and, uh, you know, not just in the downtown core, but in the sort of periphery area, whether it's Etobicoke or in Scarborough um, and just the area surrounding it. Um, what do you think uh, from perhaps what you've seen in your time playing ball in Toronto or just from past players that you may have some relationships with? What, you know, why do we always or why does it seem like we have trouble getting our talent, you know, out to these schools or? Uh, I think most kids will like will basically like base their recruitment off of like team success and most and like team team success like some of the best teams that are in like like best teams in U Sports are not in the GTA so like Western Mac uh, maybe in the West Coast like UBC like they want to get out like yeah they just want to get out of the city get out of the city so. Just just to bounce off that, you were saying obviously Mac is one that you know you've had an official visit with. York is one you've had an official visit with. I think it's safe to say, without offending anyone, two very different teams when it comes to record wise. Seven and one versus one and seven. Um, you know what? What is the deciding factor for you? And I'm not asking you to you know pick a hat right now, but you know Mac has, you know they just won the Yates. If you go there, are you more concerned about? Okay, I want to. I'm okay riding the bench for two years or are you kind of uh, I want to get in obviously I want to learn I want to get better but you know I want to have that chance to actually crack the starting roster in my first year because that's you know that's how you get better is by playing like I don't have a problem with learning like 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 being on the bench and learning because like that's something like that's going to get you better over time but at the same time I want to play like that's like I just want to get experience I want to play one of the things that we've been asking a couple of the OUA players that we, we've been speaking with over the past few weeks is what their welcome to the OUA moment has been, whether it's a particular game, a particular play where maybe, you know, they got caught with their head down or whatever it might have been that made them realize like, oh, I'm no longer in high school playing OFC summer ball in general. Obviously, we can revisit this conversation a year from now or maybe two years and see what that moment was for you. But as best you can, projecting forward to what you kind of, what sense you have of what it's like at the next level, what are the challenges that uh, you see yourself having to deal with most? And what sort of strengths do you think you most have that will allow you to just smoothly acclimatize into the OUA or, you know, not to assume you're staying in province, but into the next level? Uh, I think like one challenge would be like, everybody's going to be either as good as you or better than you. And like, that's something like like that's something you're gonna have to like accept like everyone's gonna be like most time people are gonna be faster than you or just as fast as you like for me at Richview 
I was made like I like I was better than everybody. Like I knew that for a fact. Like KB, you hearing this? <laughs> and K, me, KB, like me, KB, like the way how we dominated. Like we were just better than everyone. Like we were faster than everyone. Like we had more experience than everyone. And like at the next level, everyone's gonna be just as experienced as you. So if, if not more, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, for real. Well, I think I think that's a great sort of realization to have because I definitely met my fair share of guys where they did dominate the high school level, and as a result, they didn't ever really have that mentality of you know busting your butt every day to get better because if you're just if you've always been the fastest guy if you've always been the strongest guy the biggest guy whatever you sometimes lack that intrinsic motivation to try and get better so i like seeing that even though you acknowledge that you've been the big uh fish in perhaps a small pond top dog the top dog whatever an animal <laughs> analogy we want to use that recognizing that you are going somewhere with uh with some bigger dogs so i think that's a, a good mentality to have now with, with that being said you know you obviously you know you have to work hard you're you went from top dog to bottom dog and then once you leave senior you go to the pros it's the exact same mm -hmm. thing again yeah for sure what do you think that you bring that you're like no nah, i'm i'm good here like this this obviously you want to improve on everything mm -hmm. but something like you know i'm i'm not i'm not nervous about my talent in this area you know like your strength your speed your hands like what like what do you bring in that you're like i'm comfortable where i am right now like i know i have to learn more but I'm good here now. Uh, I think, like, because, like, I play both running back and receiver, and for running back, I think, like, my vision. Like, that's something that every coach that they love about me is that, like, sometimes, like, I can see a hole, like, that like, like that I'm not even looking at sometimes. Like, like, I'll just know it's there just by the way the defense is flowing. Like, just, like, just by the way the, like, linebackers would flow to one side, I know there's a cutback lane right there. Is that something that you maybe attribute to – a coach, maybe a coach that's in this room. I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, For once, I'm not going to take any credit. Well, that, you know, whether, whether joking aside about whether it was Dakota or not, is that something that you feel like you were you maybe naturally had that ability, or is that something that you developed over uh, time? It's something I learned over time. Like from my my brother, like I'd watch his games, like I'd see how he'd be able to cut back. Like I'd watch like guys like guys in the pro level, so like Marshawn Lynch, Lashawn McCoy, guys like that. And just mainly experience and film, like even in practice and in practice too. So, just speaking of guys you watch, how much? And you can be honest here. How much OUA U Sports football have you been watching, or have you watched in the past? Uh, a lot to be honest. Yeah, is there anyone in particular, you know, at receiver, or at running back that you're like, oh, I, I kind of want to mimic my game like him? Curly Gittins Jr. Hey, that's one guy. That Curly is also on this episode. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Wasn't wasn't we didn't we didn't pay him to say that curly, <laughs> um, but you know going back to just how you described your your vision as as a ball carrier, does that perhaps um, influence when you're looking at different schools and the types of offenses they run? Knowing your particular skill set that you bring to the table, does it make you think twice, or does it just make you you think at all about well this OC likes to run these types of concepts that'll work better for what I do or do you do you think about that much yeah I think about that to be honest like like because most like most coaches that I've been talking to like they talk to me about like a few schools that talk about like just they just want me a receiver and then like kind of like York and Mac they talked about how they want me at like both like play receiver and running back because they know how good I am like with my routes how good I am with the ball, good, how good I am with catching the ball, and how good I am with my vision. And so whether you're staying local or you're going to, say, Mac or anywhere else, does the, you know, what does the connection or does being able to, because even, you know, we talked with Justice about this, and I felt similar when I went to Guelph where, you're, you know, you're away from home, but you're still ultimately less than an hour's commute home. Mm -hmm. Does that proximity, whether it's, like we said, in the city with York or you know U of T if that happens or somehow or whatever um does that matter or is it as long as you're close enough that it's not like a big schlep every time you're trying to go home you I know? think that I think like as long as I'm close enough close enough mm -hmm. so is that what, what's the what's that cap out of for you like about an hour or probably like five minutes before 12 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah probably about an hour an hour and a half ish okay See, I always thought like, I went to Western. I always thought two and a half hours was the perfect distance. <laughs> I was like, they can't just surprise me. They can't mm -hmm. just show up at my house. It's two and a half hours away. I'd, I'd know if they're coming. 
Now you mentioned that you follow, uh, you, or you watch a lot of U Sports, a lot of OUA. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, were there any teams in particular that you know you mentioned? Curly Gittins being someone that you, you, you followed, you looked up to, um, was was it more about him as the player, or did you was it talking about Laurier? Did you enjoy watching them, or or what kind of teams have you followed in the past? I think more of him as like a player, like seeing the way he developed as a receiver, like yeah yeah mainly just seeing him like develop as a receiver, seeing how Coach Falls like really helped him become the receiver he is now. Well, I mean, seeing a receiver win OUA MVP, I mean, clearly that's a product of talent and also that's a good system sure. that you're yeah, in, right? To finally knock it away from the quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> it's, about, it's about darn time. That's all I'm saying. So now we kind of talked about different components of your game and different offenses and how that might factor into a system that, that you like. Do you ever uh, take a look across the line, like thinking about defenses? Because, for instance, I say that to say this. Let's say you go to... You know, all this is hypothetical. Let's say you go to a school like Mac. That at least means you don't have to play against Mac's defense. Or if you go to, you know what I'm saying? Do you ever take into that account that if you choose to go to a school, you don't at least have to play Picking against the schools? So you don't have to play somebody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, not really. <laughs> That's fair. I feel like that one's a bit out of left field. But okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so, would you do you have any advice for for any young kids that may be listening or watching on? what they should really focus on being a high school student athlete trying to go into the next level of university, whether that be down south and out west or staying in the OUA. Get your film out. Like, that's <laughs> that's one thing for sure. Get your film out. Like, ask your coach to send film because, co- like, for me, Coach K, he had a lot of – like, he has a lot of connections. Yeah, like, whether it be U Sports or down south, like, JUCOs, maybe, like, some small NCAA schools. Like he just told, like I like I sent him my like YouTube link for my for my film and he just sent it out to everyone. So talk to your coach about getting getting your film out. Uh, enjoy the recruiting process. That's for sure. Enjoy like just have fun with it. It's a good experience. Like it's a really good experience. You get to travel, you get to meet coaches, see different facilities. So yeah, enjoy that. Like just enjoy the recruiting process. Now now what about the school side of it? Focus on your <laughs> focus in school. Like I mean, yeah, just pushing you to plug the actual mm-hmm. academic side. Yeah, of focus it. on school for sure. Like that's something that I had to learn for, like past three years because most like grade nine and ten I won't lie. Like I didn't take school that serious, but like to, once grade eleven hit, I had to take it serious. Cause, yeah, because especially in in Canada, there are no straight athletic scholarships. So if right. you don't have the grades, they'd be like, oh, "We want you out here," but mm-hmm. there's nothing we can really do about it. And on that on that uh, academic front. It, would university be something you would have pursued do you think had it not been for football or is it more of a a vehicle for you to continue your just athletic career do you think yeah i think more i think because of football like i want to go to university yeah yeah mm-hmm. you just, just to show how great sports are getting mm-hmm. like i probably wouldn't have gotten to university but. yeah and we t- we mentioned we talked about this a bit earlier but just having you on on the on the mic and on the camera what is the program that you're you're looking to get into uh, child, childhood, and youth services. And can you give us a little like, maybe why? Like, what, 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 what attracted you about that program? Yeah, I met a lot of youth sports players. I don't think I ever came across. You, usually for us, it's like that. it's like comms or social science, yeah. <laughs> or, but like that actually sounds like it's like you you met like that's a decision you make being like that's something that you you seem to care about. Maybe we're wrong. But. <laughs> is there yeah? Is there a backup reason too? Uh, just like I don't know. It's just something I've been thinking about to be honest. Fair enough, man. If I if I got asked when I was eighteen why I'm going to school, I mean, I've switched programs five times now. <laughs> and, and I'm going to ask this somewhat for my friend sitting here because I know this affects him and his coaching that he does in the summer. But I know for a lot of players, once they've committed to a school, they might not choose to play summer football the year prior. Is that something that you're thinking about playing uh, summer football, or do you, are you just going to spend the summer training and, and getting healthy? Uh. I haven't played summer ball the past two years just because of, because of like my knee injury. But. So, but I have been missing it a lot. I won't lie, and I've been I've been thinking about it. And I'm just if you were to come back and play summer ball, would there be a particular, you know, co- coach or team you'd want to play for? Eagles. Hey, I have yeah. unfinished business. Hey, there. unfinished business. This is where we cut in the clip from Dumb and Dumber, where it's so you're saying there's a chance, <laughs> and then we'll just superimpose your face over it. Um, 
Well, you know, regardless of whether it's Mac, whether it's York, whether it's a school we haven't even touched on here, whether you play summer ball, whether you spend your time training, it definitely seems like your head's in the right place. You're very clearly quite passionate about what you're doing here. And I, from having only met you very briefly now, uh, I definitely feel like you have the right attitude to have the utmost success no matter where you go. Um, so I don't know, Dakota, do you have anything left that you wanted to... No, I, th- I think that pretty much covers it. Um, f- for the first time, I might say I, I hope you go to York. I usually, I usually say fuck York, but you know, <laughs> maybe maybe I'm gonna t- change change my tune this year. Um, but no, I'm excited excited for you to play. Uh, obviously, we'll we'll be out of games, but if it's at York, we'll be out of a hell of a lot more games. So I'm just excited to see you play. You know, at that full health. You know, at that next level, it's it's gonna be fun for you. It's gonna be fun for you know your family and your friends to watch as well. Mm-hmm. So. The only piece of advice I'd give you, and this is coming from a guy who like didn't really fucking enjoy it, and enjoy it while you can, enjoy football while you can, because mm-hmm. once it's over, you're stuck in a studio just interviewing people, and it's not <laughs> not quite the same. Right. <laughs> yeah, every coach has said it at some point, but it just we mean you, it. You, you I mean, laughed at yeah. you. I laughed at my coaches when they said it all the time too. I was like, shut up, man. Yeah. You, you don't miss it, and then you can't play anymore. It sucks. Mm-hmm. But no, I just I think to cover uh, for both me and Dakota, I think we both agree you'll have definitely a success wherever you go you have the right attitude and the right structures around you so uh thank you so much for for sitting down with us today and uh you know best of luck wherever you go make sure to let uh, dakota know first though so we can get the scoop out break the news to, we got to have a summer ball first <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys for having me out here thanks man appreciate it we are joined by former wilford laurier receiver current toronto argo receiver curly gittens jr curly thank you so much for joining us here today man i appreciate you having me man and first of all, congratulations. It was three weeks, four weeks now you got a little girl. Yeah, three little weeks. Girl dad after Kobe kind of thing. Yeah, no, it was sad to see that happen, but she was born literally the day after, like at 12.36 a.m., so it was crazy. Congratulations to you. I appreciate it. So starting with uh, a bit of your time at Laurier, because obviously we cover OUA, so it's really interesting getting to, to get your perspective on, on your career and also the current state of the OUA. Um We've seen in the last few years a really influx of, of talent sort of in the middle. Western's still kind of been top of the league, uh, even if they don't always win it every year. But just in that middle ground, uh, it's become just super competitive from like the two to you know teams fighting the playoffs seedings. I know uh, your alma mater's had some trouble sneaking in, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit. Um, but sort of looking at your career and sort of where the league's at now, what's your take on where the OUA's at um, when I first came in, it was all the big dogs like Western, Mac was really good at the time, Guelph was really good. It was basically like a top three, four team that usually just ran to OUA. But then when I came in, we were up and coming. And within my second and third year, we were one of part of those top dogs, so one of the top four teams in the league. And then gradually throughout my end of my career, we kind of see, uh, we kind of saw like the talented, so like the Waterloos, um, who else? Yeah, just the water loose. Yeah. Um, they kind of got into the mix a little bit. And then you were, it was still competitive. Queens was competitive too. So it was really a fight to see who can actually get in the playoffs. And unfortunately, my last year, we didn't end up making the playoffs because the water loose bit us out. Guelph was in it as well. So it was you kind of saw like the change of the top dogs. So actually, an all-around like really good competitive league. Speaking of Waterloo, obviously the crosstown rival for Laurier and for so many years they were putting up, you know, no win or maybe yeah. one win seasons. Um, as, as a former Golden Hawk, is there part of you, I, I'm sure when you see them beat, you know, beat you guys, you don't like seeing that, but overall for the growth of the sport, is it nice seeing them back in contention year after year and just seeing what they've been doing with, you know, Trey Ford and all those those <laughs> weapons he has at receiver? Oh, yeah. it's uh, It's been different because first couple years of my career, of my four, so my first two years, it was there was just like, there was just a team that were that competitive, but in the last two years they were starting to sh- showcase who the players who they recruited. So it was it was good to see at the same time it made uh, the Battle of Waterloo a little bit better, right? A little bit more hyped, which is good for the fans, which is good for the community in general. So it was yeah, yeah, it was good. They got a couple of big dogs over there. Uh, Tyler Tanowski, he's a big dog, and <laughs> Gordon Lamb, he's gonna be a big dog. So we're gonna talk about Trey. I know he's a receiver, but Trey Ford too. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> a monster. Ford, but you guys already know about him. He's a he's a special. He's a special guy. So, 
So talk to me about your journey getting to Laurier, because you're uh, uh, originally from Guyana, correct? Yeah, Guyana. And then yeah. you moved to Ottawa when you were, was it 12 or so? Uh, I was 10. 10, okay. Yeah. Um, so for someone, you know, you didn't play football growing up, so yeah. I believe, uh, from what I understand, soccer was your sport growing yeah. up. What was the transition like when you first played for was it Cumberland yeah, it was and Cumberland. first picking up the sport of football yeah. and kind of learning a bit of a different culture? Uh, what was that like transitioning? Oh man, it was like coming from a country where it was just, like you said, soccer, and we call soccer over there football. Of course, of course. So it was yes. a little bit different. <laughs> um, yeah, so coming from there, I was still a track runner, so coming to Canada, it was just like, okay, I can do track, and then one day my my best friend was like, hey man, you're fast, you should come play football. <laughs> but the first football I played was touch football, and I was the center. But the center, <laughs> yeah. But the center, like, ran routes after, right? You snapped, okay. and you ran routes, and you you caught the ball. So, I did that at first, and then I was, I was actually decent at it. And then my friend was like, "Okay, you gotta come play community ball with some real pads." And then I started my position at running back. I thought it was just fast, right? But then I learned. I watched a whole ton of football. I was twenty four seven NFL Network, and then that's that's how I built my game type of thing. And then I'm like, I want to catch the ball now. So then I went to slot and then kind of worked my way up and figured out my position. It seems like in in many sports, and off the top of my head, actually basketball is the first one to come to mind where you have players who might not have played the sport yeah. growing up, but played soccer mm-hmm. or, or, or football, and they're able to transition into it. I imagine as a receiver, the footwork and just the overall agility is a big component of it, but are there anything that maybe for myself or, or someone thinking about the transition of soccer yeah. to, to football, American football, that they might not think about what you probably learned playing that game that, that worked so well for you when you put on the pads. Yeah, I guess you can say it's the footwork because I guess you need footwork to be a good soccer player and a football player as well. But believe it or not, I got the worst footwork. <laughs> man. I don't believe that. <laughs> believe it or not, man. Just, I, just no ladder drills for you? Oh, I hate doing ladders. <laughs> I've already seen that at camp. Yeah. The ladders the worst. If coach wanted me to do ladders, I'm like, oh, coach, can I just do something else? I'll run if I want to. I just hate doing ladders. But it was something I had to get better at. I'm still not good at it, but I'll do it. But I feel like it was just, I don't know. I just don't like the hand-eye coordination type of thing with the legs, you know? So... So if we can go back a couple of years to sort of the middle of your career at Laurier, mm-hmm. 2016, yeah. you guys win the Yates the following year. And at the time, you're winning OUA All-Star Awards yeah. and U Sports CIS All-Stars. But you guys win the Yates in 16, come back in 17, and in pretty much any sport, there's going to be some kind of conversation about championship hangovers. Yeah. And obviously, you, you guys weren't able to repeat. But for you as an individual, you follow up that season where your team has the utmost success in winning a Yates yeah. to you winning MVP <laughs> of the league yeah. as a receiver. Talk a little bit about what that was like, that two-year stretch for you uh, wearing the purple and gold. Uh, so it was my second year. So that was supposed to be the big year after my rookie year. And then I trained my ass off that offseason. But then I was supposed to have, like, that was my year to, you know, kind of show my show the league who I am. And then I end up pulling my uh, my hamstring against uh, Montreal in the preseason, and then I was I was pissed, man. I'm like, man, like really, why does this gotta happen to me? And but I still end up playing like the first four games, but I wasn't fully fully healed. Um, then after through the season, I finally got healed, so that's when I caught fire with playing. I got comfortable with the system and uh, the football itself, and then that uh, followed with a good. Um, what a good playoff run against Mac. I think I scored like a 70-yard touchdown against Mac. But I was still, I got banged up at the end of that game and then followed by our Yates Cup against Western. And then I was playing with a messed up shoulder. So I was literally running with like one arm the whole game. <laughs> and then I finally caught fire in the fourth quarter. And then we just happened to make a real comeback, to be honest with you. I mean, it wasn't that. Wasn't <laughs> I, I, I think coming from 21 down is pretty crazy, don't you think? <laughs> I graduated in 2015, so I wasn't out of school at that time. So. Um, so obviously a hell of a stretch you had there. And then following the 18th season, you go into the draft and yeah. get picked. Was it third round, I believe? Yeah, right? third round, 23rd overall. What did it mean for you getting picked with your, your teammates? Obviously, you had... Um, Robbie Smith go first round yeah. and then Trayvon James get yeah. picked up a little later how meaningful was that to you knowing that you were going to, and obviously Trayvon gets, yeah. got sent back to Laurier for his final year but just knowing that you were going into this new environment but going there with the brothers you've been battling and competing with through your time at Laurier 
it was great to be honest with you I was just like okay I'm not going to like Edmonton where I don't know anybody or like some other team where I just don't know who I'm gonna be with but uh, that's football you're gonna you gotta have to change right you gotta have to adjust but knowing that I had those guys kind of made me feel a little bit more comfortable and knowing I had other teammates on the team as well Ronnie and Nakis um, it was great it was a great feeling and just, just speaking on the adjustment um, for the, the young kids listening, what do you think was the bigger adjustment, going from Cumberland to the OUA type level or going from OUA to the CFL, the pro level? Um, I feel like it's going to be from your community ball to university because that's the biggest adjustment you've got to make. That's where you learn about yourself. It's not when you get the lead, right? It's about, um, how should I say this? It's going from like being the best at your community, community level to now you gotta establish yourself again and be consistent for the amount, the amount of years you're gonna be playing there for. That didn't take very long for you, by the way, to go from <laughs> joining Laurie to becoming yeah. the best to get. But <laughs> yeah, but I was I was I was lucky enough. I was I was I was, uh, I was put in a good position, right? So I was fortunate enough to be put in a good position by my head coach, Michael Foss. Um, him finding the right time for me to become the full time starter, and then him putting me in the packages so I can be comfortable with the system, not just just throwing me in there and just saying, hey go run on fire but that's just that's just me that's just my story right there what, what about like maybe ego wise you know you're your top dog at Cumberland yeah. you're going to Laurier you know I'm not saying you're bottom but yeah. you're now your middle and then you're finishing at the highest you can be and then now you're the pros and you're like Fuck, I'm a rookie again like these are grown men yeah like what what's the biggest adjustment ego wise perhaps ego wise <laughs> maybe not maybe not for you but you know for the for the kids out there who are yeah. 18 19 like I'm fucking shit. I'm going to go in. I'm going to yeah. be an all-star all way, and then they like, get smacked in the fucking mouth. Yeah. See, it goes from like, uh, you learn that in, in, in the way, right? Yeah. You learn about like, you got to humble yourself at some point. You, you can think you're the best, but just keep that to yourself at the same time, right? <laughs> Don't wear a visor in rookie camp. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a visor guy, but yeah. I tried it, but I was never a visor <laughs> guy. But it was, yeah, it's all about humbling yourself, to be honest. I had that humble uh, experience in the university. It was an off season when I just thought, okay, coming off rookie rookie year, rookie season, being a second team OUA All Star in my uh, in my rookie year, I'm like shit, like let's go, you know, I'm the shit. But then it got to the point where I had to humble myself, I had to like see it through pretty much. So following that, I was just about team first. I'm gonna put in my work, regardless if you think I'm the best best player in the league, you won't ever hear from me, you won't ever see it from me. I'm just gonna go out there, do what I gotta do, and. Ultimately, win a championship, right? Hey, <laughs> hey fair enough. Um, but now we're we're fast forwarding. Now we're yeah. we are at you're you're twenty two now, right? Yeah, I'm twenty two, correct. Has it has it hit you though that you're a pro and that maybe obviously you know you're a yeah. pro and you see you're you're in the games, but like <laughs> that you know you are kind of a role model to these kids. Because we actually sat down with again the kid that I coached a couple of years ago, and I I didn't set him up for this. Yeah. Zach said, you know, who's someone you that you looked at during the OUA, and he pointed at you. Is that mm-hmm. kind of like? You know, you're still, not to say you're a kid, but you're still yeah. obviously very young. Is it kind of weird being like there are kids that are, you know, looking up to me and watching my game and seeing their, mimicking um, their game after mine? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I learned I learned that a little bit in uh, university because my, uh, my dad was like, man, you don't know who's who's looking up to you until you know, right? Yeah. But then it just, it just never sits with you, right? It's just about like, it's crazy because, damn, this guy looks up to me this or this kid looks up to me or whatever. And it's, it's a surreal feeling to be honest with you and to know that those guys are like looking up to you it just makes you want to grind even harder right yeah. it's just like you don't want to let anybody down you don't want to disappoint anybody but at the end of the day if you grind they'll see it and they'll want to grind behind you so that's yeah. a good thing so now getting to sort of see how things work in the cfl on yeah. top of your experience in the oua with uh, some of the interviews we've been doing with current players yeah. we've asked a few guys you know if they could be the proverbial uh, OUA commissioner for a day and yeah. make some kind of a change whether you know we've sort of talked a bit about scheduling changes to make it more of a uh, consumer friendly sport where you mm-hmm. don't have all your games at one o'clock so maybe yeah. staggering that a bit or you know some different ideas that players had from what you've seen as far as how the CFL operates at the professional level yeah. to looking back on your time at the OUA are there any things that if you could just make you know snap your fingers change something up that you would you would think would help grow the sport? Uh, yeah. Um, pointing out that they should have different time times of the games um, and also just invest a little bit in the, in, in the kids and the players, you know? Like, the kids, 
they got talent. They can play football, right? Just because they're not in Division One doesn't mean you can't put money into it. But I, I would just say just invest a little bit in the kids and let them let the game grow, and that's sort of way pretty much. Because yeah. you see, like Laval, right? Yeah, they're good. They're big. They got a lot of fan base. Just invest in us a little bit. That's all we ask for as players. Now, is it? Is it? Do you think it's tougher? Because obviously, coming from Laurier, there are two teams there. Obviously, Waterloo yeah. wasn't really anything. You know, but they're slowly grinding up exactly. now. Is it, is it kind of tougher that both those teams now could finish the season four and four, and they're both competitive? So, like, where are the fans really going to go? Um, pardon me. Like, well, you were saying like you Laval, obviously they yeah. get all the fans there, exactly. but they're they're the top dog in their yeah. in their area. But you know, Laurie and Waterloo are very evenly matched teams. Mm-hmm. Is it kind of tougher for Laurie to get those fans out because you know the local community might just go over to Waterloo and watch the Warriors? Uh, I wouldn't say we're evenly matched teams. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're right. Didn't you're right. They made the playoffs. Yeah, they made the playoffs. You guys did which, which I got a question on that in a second. Oh right? please, oh, <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well. I don't go there anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. Just like when you won, I didn't go to Western anymore. Exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. But I would say, um, yeah, I guess. But like the Battle of the Waterloo is getting bigger. Oh, so 100%. maybe yeah. put playing like a neutral ground where it's like... Kind of like the Panda has played. Pretty much. Yeah. Like the Panda Bowl. Make it City of Waterloo, but at like somewhere big. Well, and mentioning the Panda too, you know, to, to your point and just kind of what we're talking about here, we were, we were talking about this the other day where like, when you watch the Panda on TV, you know, it's it, we've been lucky that we've had fairly good, competitive, exciting games. Yeah. But they put the you know, they invest in the broadcast and yeah. it looks good. So yeah. you you know, it, it looks enjoy it's yeah. fun to watch, it's enjoyable because it's a good product. There is a certain element yeah. of, you know, and I completely as you mentioned, there is the talent here. So mm-hmm. put it on display. But there's a bit of, you know, build it and they will come. If you make your product look good, you make yeah. it look clean, yeah. it's gonna look good. It's gonna make people wanna watch it. So I think the pandas like the prime example yeah, exactly. of you know they've been good games too, which obviously yeah. you want to see good football exactly. when it's on you know looks when it looks not, good. Not just one camera angle. Exactly. Yeah. Going going across the city. You might not even get to see the play. <laughs> exactly. The so, camera doesn't pan fast yeah. enough. I do. Do you? I do have a question, but I'm asking this one first. Do you like? Do you watch your old team anymore? Oh man, I'm the biggest. I'm the biggest. I I love Laurier, man. That's because oh, yeah? I was born there, right? Pretty much, right? I was like raised because I was far away from Ottawa, so it was just like. Pretty much, I grew up below you, right? I spent the off season there, kind of like it was in my blood. So I gotta go back. I love my coaching staff over there. Everything they've done for me, I appreciate it. So I, anything I can do, I'll go back, help, talk to the guys, do whatever. I gotta do it. Okay, so that's good. So now here's my question. I I asked this a bunch uh, during near the end of the season, and then a bunch of the other guys uh, when they were on our episodes. So obviously, you no, know, Laura didn't make the playoffs this year. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah. So, but here's here's the situation. Um, last game, last week of the season, uh-huh. uh, I forget who Waterloo, who was Waterloo who, playing? Carlton. Waterloo was playing, no, Laurie was playing Carlton. Oh, Waterloo, the, Waterloo was playing Mac, sorry. Waterloo was playing Mac, and for Laurie to make the playoffs, yeah. they either had to beat Carlton, mm-hmm. right, or Waterloo had to lose, which they did, yeah. and then uh, Laurie had to lose by 18 points, which they didn't. So, fast forward, there's 40, there's 39 seconds left yeah. in the game. Waterloo had already lost the game. Yeah. Carlton has the ball. Mm-hmm. Laurie is down 12 points. Right? So... <laughs> you see my, where this is going. <laughs> my thought, my yeah. thought was, look, I know we don't like to, to do this, but maybe let Carlton score. You lose the game with a little bit less dignity, but yeah. you make the playoffs. Or Do you want to you know, lose a little bit of dignity, make the playoffs, now potentially make a run, or lose with pride and then everyone forgets about you because now you're not in the playoffs. So they got they have to lose by eighteen. They had points. to lose by eighteen points. They were down by twelve. So if they let Carlton score, they'd make the playoffs. But what what about the extra point? Well, the twelve plus six that's eighteen. But the extra six is the touchdown. But then they got it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's eighteen point though. So they lost by eighteen points. If they, if they score a touchdown, that's eighteen points they're losing by. But which, they're then not kicking an extra point after. They can, but they already but they already lost by eighteen, so they made the playoffs. Though. Ah, so they got to lose by eighteen or more. Yeah, eighteen yeah, or more. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I thought it was just eighteen. No, <laughs> that would be no, some no. crazy scenario. <laughs> they let them score, and they missed eighteen points. No, so so if they had let Carlson score the touchdown, just the six, they yeah. would have made the playoffs. See, I don't know, man. See, ah, yeah, anything to do with getting the playoffs, right? Because then playoffs, anything can happen. So exactly, everyone was saying, "Oh no, you know." You gotta be prideful and stuff. Okay, be but prideful. Enjoy the enjoy golfing in the offseason. Did Laurie know that situation? There's no way the coach. There's no way you can. You 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 talk highly yeah. of the coaches. There's yeah. no way the coaches are gonna, not gonna know this. But yeah. I'm gonna know this. Exactly. I don't. I don't like. I don't, I don't know what was happening. But that's a crazy scenario. I don't even think I would have known. <laughs> if I was the coach, 
Yeah. I mean, you got to know every. I think when when yeah. I was playing ball, I knew every possible situation of us making the playoffs or not making the playoffs <laughs> whenever I was playing. See, I never liked to think about that, man. I was just oh, I just want to play. Well, obviously, you go and you want to yeah. win out, but if you're in a situation the last week where mm-hmm. okay, if we win, we make it. If we don't lose, if we don't win, we <laughs> don't get in. But if we lose by this many points, we do get yeah. in. It was, it was a weird mathematical situation. Yeah, that, is, that, is, that is weird. Never so far, every player has said just fucking lose because anything can happen in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I mean, you, can, you can come down from like three or four touchdowns in the last eight minutes and 43 seconds. No one can... Regardless of it, you're in the playoffs and I don't think anybody can really say like, shit, you know, like they lost the game but still made the playoffs. Okay, I still made the playoffs, you know? It's like, yeah. who's better, Laurier or Waterloo? Us, like, but they made the playoffs. Right? <laughs> yeah, you, you know about the so, same. You know about the same off season. Laurier and York, yeah. they had the same off season. Yeah. yeah, they they played eight games. Each yeah. played eight games. So yeah, connecting a bit more to uh, your time so far okay. with uh, with the Argos in the CFL. Obviously, uh, with the the birth of your daughter, this mm-hmm. has obviously probably been an off season that you'll remember forever, no doubt. Um, but can you talk a little bit about the difference in terms of the preparation? in the off-season between your times at Laurier and what you've experienced so far with the Argos? Man, one thing I can say, the CFO off-season is so much longer. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it, it's like, I'm just aching to get back out there. At least when I was uh, the off-season for Laurier, I was like, okay, I got winter camp and it goes through a little bit fast. I got spring camp, I'm still playing ball, I'm still in pads, all that. And then I got like maybe two months off for summer while I'm still training. Two months off, I can deal with two months, two months off. But now CFL season's like five months off, you know? So it's kind of like so long. Like, what am I going to do with my free time and all that stuff? But I'm still adjusting to it. I'm just trying to, like, get my mind off of it at the same time. But I just can't stop thinking about getting back out there, to be honest. But with, with the birth of my daughter, it just kind of makes things a little bit easier, a little bit more fun, a little bit more motivation. So at the same time, it's been going good, but still so long. So, so other than obviously taking care of your newborn, yeah. what is the, like? What do you do during the off season? Like, what do you to not go crazy? <laughs> um, I try to keep myself busy. Yeah. Right. I try to go to the gym. Why not try? I will. <laughs> Coach, he's <laughs> in the gym. He's working out. Um, I just I got my um my tra- I've been training for for a couple months now, so I'm on my schedule about training, relax on the weekends, try to get be a little bit social uh, sociable with my friends and uh, reconnect and stuff. But it's just uh, sticking to my you know, my training schedule and just having some time with my daughter. Are we gonna see you out at any more uh, Granny's Kitchen camps? <laughs> Give, giving back to the little kids. Um, I always like doing events like those. To be honest, it's because I always like um, giving back to the community. That's a big thing for me. So whenever we have camps at Laurier, I always do them. Regardless to it, if it's two hours, it's two hours. But I like giving back. I think it's something everybody should do. And speaking of camps, I got my camp coming up in uh, May May second. Look, okay, let's get a plug. Yeah, plug, yeah. plug I got my camp coming up in May second at Laurier with with Laurier University. It's just uh, it's actually one of my first camps. My agent uh, thought of the idea. I just every year now just run a annual camp. So this year it's gonna be my first annual Curly Gittins Junior Skills Camp, and it'll be ages ten to seventeen. Um, flyers will be coming out soon, so uh, keep an eye out. So well, you guys I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring all my Eagles receivers. Yeah. Is it just is like is it receivers? It's, uh, everybody? Any, anyone. Anyone? It's skills camp. So you all can right. learn from D linemen. You'll get uh, pro coaches as well. Uh, a university coach will be in attendance. Uh, Michael Faults. So it'll be something you can um, you can kind of call it a um, show out type of thing. So That's you it. can put on for a university coach showing what you show them that you can play ball at the next level. Which is going to be a nice little. Right. Well, I'm I, up in there. I want to bring my kids out to that for it. sure. Um, just. Continue on the off season um, and speak on this as much as you can. I don't know how much your PR guys are going to watch this, but it's been a pretty big off season for the Toronto Argos. Oh, obviously, man. in terms of players, in terms of coaches, and I won't get into like what you think about people leaving, yeah. but you know, how does it feel having you know Michael Pinball Clements back, kind of you know front and center in the office? He obviously brings so much for the fan base um, as an ex player, as coach, as president, ex GM, ex everything. Um, but obviously for the players as well, having that someone, you know, you know who's been through this as an Argo, you know, how, what does that really bring to you guys? Uh, I think it brings us, like you said, a good fan base, right? Seeing him back in the, like, in the Argos uh, organization just brings excitement to everyone, right? Not just the players, but the fans. It's brought excitement back to me. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's just a great guy, you know, he knows what he's doing. I think he just wants to win, right? So he'll do whatever to win. 
and I don't want to admit to, to be honest with you, so I'm just excited. He's a happy guy. <laughs> I've never met yeah. someone so happy. So. I don't know. It's like, does he ever get mad, right? <laughs> <laughs> what was it like for you going back to uh, last year's season with the Argos, seeing Michael O'Connor, a Canadian yeah. quarterback, playing quarterback, not getting moved to receiver, yeah. DB, nothing like yeah. that, in that last game against Ottawa, despite you know there not being any stakes yeah. in line, throwing a touchdown as a Canadian quarterback. Oh, man, it was great. I was happy for him, man, but I, I wish it was to me, but it was okay. <laughs> um, it was great, man. Mike puts in a lot of work. He's a hard worker, right? Every day he's got a set schedule to go to. He wakes up at a certain time. He's just he's in it because he loves it, and he's going to work because he wants to be the best, and that's one thing I admire about him. But just uh, let's flash back a little bit. Me and him, we were actually in Ottawa together. This is like a while ago, maybe True, seven, yeah. seven years ago, right? Um, we were about to play community ball together, so Cumberland. But then he left to go to prep school, and I stayed, and I still played. And then he came back to UBC, won the Vanier. He, you guys know his story. And then we end up, he got drafted 20th, I got drafted 23rd, and here we're back at the same same, um, same pro team. It was just kind of cool to think, to think about. And then seeing him do what he did in his first year, like climb his, climb his way, like making the most of his opportunities was... It was really good to see, and then having to get his first start, his first touchdown was I was happy for him. Was uh, you mentioned how you guys played together yeah. in Ottawa, and then he goes down south. Was that ever something that uh, an idea you played around with, going to a prep school, or maybe just going, you know, any of the D one through three or whatever in the states? Um, yeah, I thought about going to um, a prep school in Connecticut called Saint Thomas More. Like it, everything was all good and stuff. It's but not Saint Thomas More. There's a lot of yeah. yeah. Who is this guy? Yeah. It's not the one in Hamilton. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it was one in Connecticut, but man, I was seventeen. It was literally go to private school or go to university. So then I just went to university instead, and we're here, right? So the rest but, is history. Exactly. <laughs> well, not a bad journey. No, not a bad journey at all. And, and no doubt you made the right decision, and you've been making the right decisions all through your way from Guyana to yeah. Ottawa to Wilfrid Laurier, <laughs> to here in Toronto, and no doubt your story will continue to blossom now, of course, with your young daughter by your side, oh, which yeah. I'm sure makes it all the more sweeter. Oh, yeah. So thank you so much for joining oh, us today, Curly, man. Um, best of luck with the rest of the offseason, and uh, we'll 100% be cheering for you uh, this coming summer. Of course. Thank you guys so yeah. much. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Once again, those were Dakota and I interviewing Avante McCoy and then Curly Gittins Jr. We'll start with well let's start with Avante with the first interview that you heard there Dakota that's your former well current current player uh with the Eagles you know as we talked about we were hoping to get the the confirmed answer on where he's going to play but it definitely seems like it's it's York or Mac at this point um you know what 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 did you think talking with him and what are sort of your hopes knowing sort of his talents and his abilities in terms of uh you know where you'd like to see him land if you, I mean you know, I think he'll he'll do great no matter where he goes. Um, there's a couple behind the scenes things as well involving myself and perhaps other people that would would sway my preference on where he goes. Um, but you know, it's yeah, it's just great to see again. Same things with all the other kids that I've I've coached. Um, is seeing them you know come up through the ranks, go through JV, go through senior, start to get those recruitment calls. Um, and it's kind of interesting now, obviously, he's talking about, you know, perhaps McMaster and, you know, I, I you know, got, I have ties there um, with some kids that I've coached as well, which are probably making the phone calls to him. Um, York, you know, you know my bias about York, <laughs> but I'm sure if he, if he decides to go to York that he'll, he'll do great things there. Uh, I know I'm just really proud of him and excited for what summer ball is going to hold for him today or for this summer. And, you know. There's, I think there's a lot of schools that missed out on a talent like this. Well, and you know, I think the 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 coolest thing to me that happened in that interview is when talking to him about you know teams or players that he's followed throughout you know his his life watching OUA and just kind of following the league. The first name, first name, and this was out without being set up or anything was Curly. Um, that was the as serendipitous a moment I've ever uh, experienced and that was really cool and so then segueing into the conversation with Curly really interesting getting the perspective going 
uh, from playing with the Cumberland Panthers to playing with the Laurier Golden Hawks into his time with the Argos. And just, uh, you know, really nice guy getting to, uh, you know, share his experience there. And, uh, you know, we can kind of, not to spoil anything, looking ahead to some of the off-season walkthrough episodes we have coming up. But, you know, were you surprised with his take when you broke down the uh, the, the Carlton scenario? He was very... Because oh, he's not part of the system anymore. And that's what I've been saying is that it's when you're, you're, you're in the system or you're in you're a player at that level... You're seeing things from one kind of perspective, but you know, once you go out either into coaching or into the to the pros, you kind of maybe see the bigger picture, which is you just when baby win. Just as anything can happen in the yeah. playoffs, you know. Maybe you know there's a little more pressure because it's the last game of the season. But if I told you to do that the first game of the season, you might not care so much because it's the first game of the season. But I think championships in in a world of competitive football where football is a business and that unfortunately is the way that college kind of is and the pros is that if you don't win no one gives a fuck yeah you know and i'm not talking about regular season wins if you don't win a championship really no one cares like off the top of your head who was second place in the yates in 2007 no one gives a fuck no one remembers and it's and it's something that you know again not to spoil anything but you know, someone we talked to in a, a couple weeks from now said, you know, years from now, it's just the memories. And it's you know, one thing I can't chirp you about your ring. It's 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 memories. And, and you, you won a Yates Cup. And as much as I make fun of you having a ring for that, you know, no one can take that away from you. So at the end of the day, fucking winning is everything in the business of football. So, yeah. And, it, you know, it, even if it does get remembered as a. Uh, I don't want to use the word asterisk, but if it does get remembered with the story of a championship, assuming it gets that far for them, it's all just part of the journey. And it's all part of a great story. It's part of the the story of that season and what got them there. And, uh, you know, but anyways, that that was for that reason and plenty more. uh, Awesome sitting with Curly. Uh, So thank you once again to Curly, to Avante for for spending some time with us up at Studio 51, uh, my friend Ben Papa George's studio. Thank you, uh, Ben, again, for letting us use the space. That was awesome. And, uh, yeah, so next week we'll be releasing the Windsor episode um, followed by, well, you'll have to tune in then to find out. So for now, make sure to like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your cousins, tell everyone at the 55. You know where we are. Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, we got it all covered. Um, and yeah, we're, uh, we're making it happen, baby. And we're happy you're along for the ride. So we'll see you next week in Windsor at the 55.